Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast, and Happy New Year. I'm Mark Faulkner, Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor, joined by Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Coming up on the podcast, we'll hear from Cole Eiserman, the number two ranked prospect for this year's draft. But first, Ted, we're two weeks into the new year. The Red Wings now at the midway point, halfway home. There are four games over 520, 16 and five. They're first in goals in the Eastern Conference with 146. They're fifth in the Atlantic Division behind Boston, Florida, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. And they're two points out of the playoffs, tied with Pittsburgh and New Jersey in the wild card race. Overall, Coach Derek Lalonde said he's pleased with the first half of the season, a roller coaster ride, he calls it. What do you make of the first 41 games, Ted? And the question we ask all the time here on the podcast, will this finally be the year the Red Wings make the playoffs first time in eight years? Well, Mark, it's interesting. I kind of, I suppose they're about where we thought they might be at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. It's just been an interesting route that they've taken to get there. Uh, I agree with Newsy. I think it has been an up and down roller coaster type of first half. They've shown they can be a very competitive team. I mean, there's a lot of scoring depth on this team, Mark. They're kind of like we kind of suspected. I mean, mm-hmm. they can get offense from a lot of different uh, people, but boy, they they do they do give up quite a few goals <laughs> too. And the goaltending, obviously, for the most part, this first half has been unsettled. Uh, okay, we've seen Alex Lyon take over the net here recently, and it's, it's kind of stabilized it, but I'm still not sure everybody's convinced he might be the man for the rest of the season, but we'll see. But you know what? They are they are who they are, and I think a lot of us probably expected them to miss the playoffs by what, maybe one to six points or what, not mm-hmm. being in it for a while, a long time, and then finally missing it out at the end, and Maybe that's the way it's going to happen. We'll see. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I kind of think that they're probably where they're where they're supposed to be, or where we expected them to be at this point. They certainly put together really strong games. These last two games at home, Ted, the Bruins game, mm-hmm. as well as the Oilers last night, those were as as well played, defensive minded, moving the puck. They were intense. Mm-hmm. John Morosi was there last night in the press box, and he goes, this place is alive again. Those two games were two of the best games I've seen all year. The team was competing. There, was, there wasn't there was that sense, only want to talk to you about, really, sometimes we're easy to play against. And mm-hmm. the other teams, there have been a lot of freebies, and that's really been frustrating for Derek Lalonde. And I, I'll pick a couple of games. Like the San Jose game here, the Sharks really didn't have to, 
push that hard. They had only two hits from all their forwards all game. And then when they went into Dallas, Dallas basically had like one hit from their forwards the entire game. Mm-hmm. So they're almost like gimme games. And those, you can't be those giving are points those points. They're going to be, yeah, that's the points left on the table. Those points are going to hurt. And they're a better team than that, as we saw last night. Now, granted, they had both centers out, both of the right. centers out. There's all kinds of reasons. They were seven games over 500 before Patrick Kane came here. Part of part of that was because of the centers out and the goaltenders. But also, Kane does a lot of looping. He's one of the worst defensive players in the league. All of a sudden, you have four or five forwards who are under six feet tall. And all of a sudden, everyone's like deferring to him. So there's issues there as well. And now he's probably a bigger part of the team and others are getting the ice time that they had when they were seven games over 500. So I'm like you, it may not work out, but those last two games, Ted, if, if the wings play like that, sell out crowds and, and they just might pull this off. When you look over that wild card race, because let's say, I think they, they're more in tune with the wild card race. They're not going to catch Florida, Boston, Toronto, likely. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you can put all those teams under a blanket and, well, I don't know. I mean, there's just not very many overpowering teams there and they very well could come out of it. But then again, it's, it's like somebody mentioned to me the other day, are they better than four or five of those teams? I don't know. That's that's difficult to say. I mean, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Tampa, who are we missing? Well, I think Washington's fading a little bit, but they're still a quality team for just mm. to an extent. It's just difficult to think that the Wings are going to be better than three or four or five of those teams. That's just tough to say. The Islanders, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, but it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult road to hoe for sure. Now let's take a look at your midterm grades, Ted, beginning with the goalies and beginning with Alex Lyon, who stopped 44 shots last night against the Oilers in that 3-2 overtime loss. Here's what Lyon had to say about maintaining an even keel attitude through the ups and downs. I don't get really too wrapped up in the, it's going to go fall the other way eventually. It's just the nature, like I say all the time, it's the nature of the goalie position. So um, you try to ride the highs as long as you can and then, and then when the lows happen, you just got to maintain that even keel. So uh, that's uh, my focus right now. And I'm um, just trying to help the team and provide uh, whatever I can. And um, obviously a very dangerous team. So I, f- I felt pretty good today. Ted, the goaltending in your story at DetroitNews.com about the highs and lows of the first half, you said Alex Lyon has been a revelation in pressing with his poise and competitiveness you also said the position was an issue with Billy Huso and James Reimer. Unable to really solidify things, you gave Lyon an A-, minus, Huso a C-plus, and Reimer a D-plus. Does that sound about right? No, I do. I mean, it's Alex Lyon's been a surprise. I mean, and, and you figure that, that goaltending position is so unique and peculiar around the league. There's, it seems like there's a couple guys every year that kind of come out of nowhere and thrive and Maybe Alex Lyon's one of those guys this year. He's been he's been fabulous, I think, over this, these last few weeks. But boy, do you really trust him over another forty-one <laughs> games? I don't know. That's he's you know he is who he is. He's been a career backup, uh, vagabond kind of minor leaguer. But you know he's played really well lately. But yeah, I think they really need Billy Huso to step up here when he does get healthy, and I don't know if, if nothing else to. Form a solid one-two tandem with Lyon. 
Reimer. I mean, that's going to be interesting, Mark. Reimer sounds like he's going to get a start this weekend, either against Los Angeles or Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, either one of those teams are, you know, both of them are quality teams. He's going to have to step up and play well because they can't afford to give up too many points here in the next few weeks, you know, with the race being as tight as it is. And let's face it, that's a, they have a gauntlet coming up, a lot of difficult teams. Time now for our interview segment on the podcast, and our special guest today is Cole Iserman. Joining us now is 17-year-old Cole Iserman from USA Hockey's U18 National Team Development Program, the number two ranked prospect for the 2024 NHL Draft, and one of 22 NTDP players who will play in Monday's All-American game here at USA Hockey Arena. Cole, welcome to the podcast, and for our Red Wing listeners the name Iserman is a familiar name, but different spelling, of course. Your coach, Nick Ford, told me yesterday, he's asked all the time if you're related mm. to Steve Iserman. He says, he tells people simply, you spell your last name with an E, Steve Iserman with a Y. How do you answer that question, the Iserman question, Cole? And mm. what was it like growing up in the Iserman hockey family just north of Boston with your twin brother, and three other older hockey playing brothers. Yeah, I definitely uh, get that question a lot if he's my dad or whatever, but I kind of just, you know, <laughs> say no. And, um, but I definitely, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of have the same name as him. And, um, I use his name in Xbox all the time. So that, that, that was pretty cool to kind of hear my name out. But, uh, yeah, growing up was awesome. I mean, I got a twin who, uh, who I grew up playing with and, uh, three older brothers who I, who I really idolized. You know, I growing up, they're, they're pretty, uh, they're a lot older than me in, in ways. And, um, I kind of just saw them as, uh, older dads and, um, they kind of just, you know, kind of paid, paid the way for me and, um, kind of showed me how to be a, a man and also a hockey player. So Cole growing up in the Boston area and then playing two years at Shattuck St. Mary's, you were a teammate of Macklin Celebrini's those two years, you guys in Minnesota, he had 51 goals, then 50 goals. You had 97, then 56. That's 200 and 54 goals. Now you guys are ranked one, two in the NHL central scouting rankings. He's at Boston university where you're going next year. He already has 25 points in 15 games at BU. And he just led Canada in scoring at the world juniors with eight points in five games. So what's that friendship like and why is he such yeah. a good player? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's my best friend. Um, I talk to him every single day and I'm um, always checking in on him and he's always checking in on me and it's kind of such a positive friendship where we're always just making sure each other's are doing good and um, always kind of having each other's backs no matter what, but he's just you know all around great player. I mean, he, uh, he loves the game and he works so hard at it and you can really tell on the ice. Cole, the world championships in your hockey blog at NHL.com. You said you were disappointed. You weren't invited to the U S tryout camp. Your coach, Nick four said it was really hard on you. He said you found out before the announcement and had to internalize the disappointment What's it been like? Because that U.S. team, called stacks seven returning players, and that doesn't even include three players that I talked to right here along the bench at USA Hockey Arena last year, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and Gabe Perot. Smith is winning 70% of his faceoffs, mm-hmm. but those three aren't even among the top 10 scores. Mm-hmm. Coach Four said it's been good for you and James Haggins to face adversity. The first time you guys haven't made a team. I know it sounds good in theory, but what's it been like day by day, Cole? And who have you leaned on to deal with the disappointment? 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was hard at first, but I think you got kind of got to stay in the moment and um, you know that you're not going to be there and kind of just got to stay, uh, you know, present with the NTDP and um, really, you know, worry about the guys around um, here in the rink and um, kind of worry about your next game. But um, definitely just kind of talking to my parents and um, it, honestly, still being a fan of the tournament. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's huge. I mean, I'm still a, a fan of the U.S. and um, seeing what they're doing out there is uh, unbelievable. And I, I hope they win gold soon. So. Cole, how about chasing records here at USA Hockey? The all-time leading goal scorer is Cole Caulfield with 126 goals. Phil Kessel is next with 104, and you're at 98. You'll need about 30 goals in your final 30 games. You already have 29 goals in 26 games. Your coach, Nick Four, said he talked to you at the end of last season and said, we don't chase records here. It's team first, and he won't necessarily put you on the ice with a 7-2 lead on the power play, but... How do you balance those two things? He says you have plenty of talent. You're plus 28. You're leading the team. And he says you'll get your chances. Is the record important though? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool to kind of be in that question. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I love scoring goals and if I can get that, that's pretty, uh, pretty cool for me. And I think that would show a lot, um, you know, me as a player and me as a, you know, this, this team, how, how good everyone is. And, um, that'd be pretty cool. So. Cole, when it comes to goal scoring, you've talked about working on keeping your head up and working on shooting, without looking coach four and I talked about that yesterday. He said he's doing work right now on the subject with soccer players, knowing where the ball is without looking down and how hard is learning that skill? Cause he said some hockey players won't even look at the goalie. They know where the puck is, where they're shooting. And just the other night, Patrick Kane, his first goal in Detroit, he came down his wrong wing. He was looking up and he beat the auto goalie, Jonas Corposalo. So are you getting better at that? And how difficult is that skill? Yeah, it's definitely really hard. I mean, the game's so fast and um, the puck's moving at a, a tremendous speed all the time. And um, to be able to control the puck and have your head up and and start skating and um, and see where the goalie is, it's, it's pretty hard. But I think, um, you know, repetition and um, just kind of practice, practicing all the time is, uh, is really important and um, selfie a skill that everyone works on every day. Coach four also said Cole here, the best goal scorer he's ever coached that he's never seen anyone score so many goals where the goalie actually gets a piece of the shot. Your shot has been compared to Alex Ovechkin. In fact, you tied Ovechkin's record with 12 goals in seven games at the world U 17 world challenge hockey challenge. He uses terms like compact release, a heavy shot, that it's quick enough to beat the goalies before they're ready. What do you make of that comparison? And maybe you can tell us about the hard work you put in about the shot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, your name with Ovi is pretty, uh, is pretty, is pretty funny to hear and uh, pretty cool, but it's definitely something that um, I really, you know, take pride in. I'm, I'm doing it every single day, whether it's after practice or before school or whatever, I'm shooting pucks no matter what. And um, it's something that I also love to watch, you know, obviously, you know, I'm just pulling up Ovi clips or whatever, seeing what he's doing, you know, seeing what stick he uses, stuff like that kind of helps a lot. And it's just, you know, it's having fun with it at the end of the day and just loving the score and loving to shoot. And how about the one timer? What's that about? He's a right-handed shot yeah. setting up in this circle. You're over there. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, he he's he's scored uh, however many goals he has from that spot, and it's pretty unreal how he's still scoring from there. No, no, everyone knows he's coming. And uh, you know, for me, you know, being a lefty, I just try to kind of do the same thing, but on on my side. So. And finally, Cole, the All American Game. Nearly 200 scouts and GMs and front office folks from nearly all the teams will be here along with the hockey network. You're on the blue team with your reunited line mates, Camille Benarek and Max Plant. There's going to be a lot of attention on you and Macklin Celebrini before the NHL draft in Vegas in June, but mm-hmm. 
what do you have left to prove and how are you preparing for these final months of your junior career? Yeah, I think just, you know, showing that I can play a 200 foot game and, um, you know, still using my body and still kind of um, impacting more than just scoring. And um, I think yeah, I'm still trying to do that, um, bring that into my game. And I think um, that's a huge part of, you know, winning hockey games. And I think that that'd be huge to show everyone. Cool. Thanks again for your time today, talking to us about your Eisenman family, your time here with the NTDD program and also preparing for that game on Monday. All the best in the All-American game and moving forward. Thank you very much. Our thanks again to Cole Iserman. Now let's take a look at the defenseman, beginning with Ben Sherratt, who you said, Ted, was the unsung hero in the first half. You said he supplies the wings with that old-school hockey mentality with his grit, leadership, and physicality. You gave him a B. The best grade, of course, went to Marit Sider, a B-plus. The others... Got B-minuses, Jake Wallman, mm. Oli Mata, and Shane Gostas-Bear. The two other defensemen got Cs, Justin Hall, and Jeff Petrie. What, Ted, stands out to you about that group? Uh, I mean, it's been exactly, I would think, for the most part, kind of what expected. A mm. lot of depth. Uh, there's flaws there, but I think it's, a, it's an NHL-proven defense. Um, I think Mata's been an underrated, pleasant surprise. Obviously, mm-hmm. Sherratt's been much better than he was last year. Jeff Petrie probably done as well as could be, could have been expected. I think Cider had one brief little hiccup there for a couple weeks. Maybe not, you know, not especially defensively. Maybe not what we kind of expect. But you know, on the whole, he's the the number one defenseman every team would crave to have. Mm-hmm. Wallman's been up and down a little bit, but I think you know nine goals. I mean that's that's a nice production. Obviously, you do wonder about Gustus Behar. What do you do with him at the trade deadline, Mark? I mean, you know he'd be a valuable commodity out there. I think you get a decent draft pick in return. You could probably plug Edvinson. I would think into that role if need mm-hmm. be. I mean. That'll be an interesting situation come trade deadline if they're right at the bubble or maybe a couple points behind, a few points behind. It'll be an interesting to see, but no, I think it's a good group on the whole. I mean, just as, as pretty much everybody expected. I mean, not star-laden, but there's a lot of depth there. And finally, the forwards, beginning with Alex DeBrinkett, who you said was the MVP of the first half. You said Wings fans can be excited about the future now that he's reunited with Patrick Kane, a two-time 40-goal scorer, 17 goals already. You gave him an A, along with two other A's, for Kane and Dylan Larkin. The B-pluses went to JT Comfer, Robbie Fabry, and Daniel Sprong. The B's were... Christian Fisher, Michael Rasmussen, and Lucas Raymond, B minus Joe Valeno, the C's, Andrew Kopp, David Perron, the D's, Clem Cawson. You also gave Coach Derek Lalonde and his assistant coaches a B and Steve Eiserman a B plus. So, Ted, what do you make of this older, more experienced group of forwards that Eiserman has put together? Mark, what have you thought about Patrick Kane the last little while? It seems that he was a house of fire at, at the start, and he was, you know, that's mm-hmm. another revelation. He was outstanding. I do think the last several games, maybe a little more quiet. What have you thought? Well, his ice time has come down because everyone else is healthier. And I think Uh that's a better role for Patrick Kane. Power play when you're behind. Again, he's the 
he's as a coach just talked to me as well. Somebody who knows knows the Red Wings staff pretty well. He said, this is a player, Kane, again, he was ranked over 550th, five on five, as far as defensive ability. And I know he's the highest scoring all-time forward in U.S. history, and he's a pleasure to watch. And a lot of players are watching him Mm -hmm. doing all this looping and things. But ultimately, he's not the first on the puck. He turns it over a couple times, and he's not the last man back. In fact, Ted, wasn't that interesting the other day? when Derek Lalonde said that all of a sudden DeBrinket and Kane are coming back, like that was huge. Right, that's basically, right. that's a problem because DeBrinket knows how to play defense. He's a professional high scoring winger. When you come back further in your own zone, everything works going the other way. You're making plays, you're in proper position and Kane knows how to play defense. He's a hall of famer and it was probably worth the gamble, but I look, he took ice time away from a team that was seven games over 500. They were playing really well. They were playing a hundred percent. And, and so maybe, you know what, maybe I didn't look at his ice time the last two games, but you and I were at the Bruins game mm-hmm. and, and the Oilers last night, he, he didn't play perhaps as much. And in fact, quiet. he was just some, some kind of quiet. You didn't notice him as much as you did the first couple of weeks. Or quietly efficient. Weeks. Because look, a lot of players in the, in that dressing room know that Kane could be gone in a little bit. They could trade him at the deadline. Like You do wonder. Over, you do well, there's wonder. a rumor out there, the Winnipeg Jets, a second rounder and a player. And like, so like, of course, he'd be great on a team that is stacked. That could use, you know, Kyle Connors hurt. You you could use a cane for a team that's ready to win. This Red Wings team is not ready to win. So he's a luxury that you can't afford. I'd rather see Robbie Fabry, who plays hard all the time, rather see him get more ice time than Kane's. But you know what, Ted? This is a team that's like fourth in scoring. And who would have thought that when we started this season? Oh, I, that's even loftier than I thought that it was going to be. No unbelievable. Question. Just unbelievable. So anyway, they just wrapping up, we talked about the forwards. Kane is, I think, I think that's a flashpoint. How much do you play him? Like, for example, I would rather play Christian Fisher on a third line. You saw how well he played, played last well, he's night. Been, he's been a nice addition, no question. Absolutely. But, you know, it's about team. It's about, you know, you have all these professional players who know how to play the game, who have won cups, and you win with those type of shifts. You don't win with the flash and dash and all the pretty passes and things. It's nice to have that, but Larkin can do that. All You have all kinds of players who have – that ability on the It'll team. It'll be really interesting come trade deadline. You got Kane, obviously. You got David Perron, who he could he could he'd be more valuable to a, a truly contending team. Um, I don't know. I I don't think he's going to be extended. I mean, I, I doubt he'll be back next season. So I don't know. Do you get something for David Perron at the? Well, deadline? you mentioned Gostaspare earlier. Just a quick final thing here. Yeah. Ted. Would you have traded? Would you have gone after uh, Cutter Goche, a Tom Wilson player who could rattle the boards for 10, 15 years at Little Caesars, a power right, forward, right. an unbelievable talent? Now, Jamie Drysdale yeah. was a player who mm-hmm. came over. They've both been guests on our podcast. But if you were Steve Eisenman, would you have given up a second rounder and Axel Sandine Pelica to get Cutter Goche? Because it's my belief that there are other defensemen that are smaller, like Gostas Bear, like Axel, Sandine, Pelica, who could be Zuboff in the future. So he's a fantastic talent. I would perhaps trade a Gostas Bear, like you said, maybe give Edvinson that time. And you know you've got Sandine, Pelica in the future. But anyway, that was a trade that, was that an I would... That interesting would've... trade. I mean, yeah. Obviously, that reverberated throughout the league. 
I still think Philadelphia did pretty well getting Jamie Drysdale. And Absolutely. I, I've always liked him. And then he had a second round draft pick. I think they did fairly well. I mean, we'll see. That was a very intriguing trade. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I, if I'm Steve Eiserman, obviously I'd look into it and consider something. But yeah, uh, I don't know. That will be interesting at the deadline. I've, I've liked Ghost. I mean, he's Gus's Behar has been exactly probably what yeah. we all expected. He's dynamic offensively. Yeah. I mean, we're worst seeing plus some minus of the too. Worst plus minus by far. Yeah, though. I mean, that's kind of, it's exactly probably what people felt it was going to be. So, I don't know, is he a piece for the future? I doubt it. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. Come <laughs> trade. Well, obviously, it all depends where they stand. Obviously, it all depends where they stand. And like we mentioned, Mark, they have a gauntlet coming up. It's going to be difficult. So, I do, I was talking about it with somebody last night. They had the same scenario two or three years ago. They were right on the cusp of playoff convention, and then they had a string right about now where they had nine games against very difficult playoff-caliber teams, and mm. I believe they went two and seven. Okay. And that pretty much caved their season. Well, we'll see what happens these next couple of weeks. And that'll do it for episode 97 of our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. As always, thanks again for your time today, Ted. You can find all of Ted's stories online at DetroitNews.com as well as on our Octopulse Facebook page. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, rating, and reviewing these podcasts. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.